Good morning. You look well-rested and well-fed. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good, wasn't it? Man, I tell you, the, the, the last little bit of holidays has, has been somewhat of a struggle with this uh, silly COVID stuff, but it was sure good to be with family. And did, did you have Thanksgiving or Thanksgorging? Because I think where I was, it was Thanksgorging. We just had so much food. It was so good. It was good to see family. And uh, I hope that the Lord blessed your Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're visiting here with us today, sure glad you're here. So thankful that you've chosen to join in us with worship today. We're worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, um, there is a... You can, we're high-tech rednecks here. You can take out your phone and you can scan with your camera app. This will scan me, this QR code. You'll be able to fill out online an online uh, connection card. If you're online uh, visiting with us, uh, you should find in the description of the video, um, where whatever you're using to stream today, uh, a link where you can go fill out that same uh, online connection card. So we hope you'll do that so we know that you're worshiping here with us. Uh, just a few announcements to make before we get further into our service. Uh, first announcement is tonight at 6.30, we are having the Hanging of the Greens. And we're reminded in the Hanging of the Greens, uh, the symbolism of all the different Christmas decorations. And we do that while we decorate and sing car- Christmas carols. It's always a good time. It's a participatory event. So If you're this tall or this tall, you can be involved. We have people read. We have people put out decorations. We put decorations in the windows, so that's good for for folks that are uh, a little bit shorter. Uh, We put up wreaths. We decorate the tree. We we light the advent candle, put out poinsettias, that type of thing. And so hope you'll come. It is a good time. And then afterwards, we will have some refreshments in the fellowship hall. So hope you'll come. Marsha, what did you need me to say about the afterglow, the refreshments? So just bring finger foods. Okay, all right. So um, if you didn't eat enough during Thanksgiving, we've got you covered. Come, come to Hang of the Greens tonight. So hope you'll come. It's always a fun time, I think, uh, to decorate the sanctuary and to kick the Christmas season off in this way. So hope you'll be able to come. Roddy, do you know, are the ladies going to meet together? I know you're not a lady, but Barbara usually... Um, meets with the, the ladies' prayer group. Are they going to dismiss tonight, or do you know if they're going to meet? No, I think she's with us, but it's probably not. Okay, all right. So no, okay. so no ladies' prayer group tonight. Just want to make sure of that. Uh, we're back on our Wednesday schedule, so um, we have our, our normal Wednesday schedule one more week. Is that right? Just one more week. All right. Um, I hope you notice our holiday schedule down there at the bottom of the announcements page in the bulletin. Um, Just be reminded of those things. I do want to point out one thing. On the 19th, during our morning worship service, Shelby and Debbie Smith, who serve uh, with Arctic Barnabas Ministries up in Alaska, they will be here and they will share during the, the children's sermon time. We're going to give them a little time to share about Arctic Barnabas and the ministry that they're doing there. Um, I knew Shelby and Debbie from our time in Cove together and look forward to you meeting them and you getting a chance to see what it is that they do. Our church does support Arctic Barnabas Ministries and it is a great ministry and it seems like they are flourishing up there in in Alaska. I don't think there's anything else I need to announce. Um, Anyone have anything else that we need to announce at this point? All right. Well... This morning, we begin the season of Advent, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Um, This is not in the scripture uh, that we're to do this, but um, this is not going against scripture. Like, we're not commanded in scripture to celebrate Advent. But what we are reminded to do in scripture is to always be thinking ahead, looking toward the Lord's coming. And Advent is a season when we do that. We, Advent simply means coming. Simply means coming or arrival. And we look back to Christ's first arrival. Uh, we always do that this time of year. We think about His incarnation. We think about uh, the virgin birth. We think about uh, His uh, being laid in a manger in, in uh, Bethlehem. We think about all those things, the angels and the shepherds, and uh, remembering what the prophets have said. All of those things that have pointed 
in, in history past in the Old Testament toward the coming of Christ. We remember those things. We look back at those. But those promises are ours as we look to the future as well. That we are reminded that Christ is going to re- return once again. And we, we never know when it might be. Wouldn't it be great if he came right in the middle of our service? Uh, that, would be, that would be awesome. But we do look ahead to Christ's coming. And um, we're reminded that we have a job to do while we are waiting for the return of our Savior. And so this morning, we're going to light the candle of hope. The Ratliff family is going to come, and they're going to light that first candle for us. And we are, as a congregation, going to have a responsive reading together. So I direct your attention to the screen. And so um, there'll be some portions labeled leader and others labeled all. So obviously that's all of us together um, as we do this together. Today we light the first candle of Advent, the candle of hope. We put our hope in the one to come, the promised one who, is, who comes from God to bring good news of salvation. We hope in the one who will lead us to walk in the light of the Lord. We light this candle in hope. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us, teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither will they learn war any more. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together.
going to do a holy night. We're just going to do the very first verse. That's all we're going to do. But I want you to look at this holiday season, look at this Christmas season, and I want you to realize that um, I had a deacon at a church one time say, I have no idea what the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus have to do with each other. And a lot of our songs talk about joy. Here's the reality. That the very fact that a holy God would come to earth in the form of mankind and live a perfect life. King of kings and Lord of lords, frail as a baby. So that he could understand every pain that we suffer. Every temptation that we face. And then lay down his life on the cross so that we would not have to suffer the wrath of God. If that doesn't put joy in your heart, nothing will. Because every time that I struggle with temptation and every time that I sin, I'm reminded that Jesus Christ still loves me and still paid for that sin. That's why it says that his kindness leads us to repentance. Not our white knuckle ability. So as we sing this, I want you to think about the fact that God incarnate laid in a barn so that he could save you and me. this Christmas season is that you paid the price for us. So as we worship you today, just be glorified in us. You may be seated. It is that time of year when we remember the work of God on the foreign mission field. It's the week of prayer for international missions, uh, otherwise known as the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Um, and so we have the week of prayer for the offering for international missions. Um, is there a slide that you go to the mission slide? There you go. Awesome. Um, so that's the, the theme uh, or just a reminder to us in the top left. Let's advance God's kingdom together. And the 2021 goal uh, for Southern Baptists is to come together and give $185 million dollars. Uh, and that's a lofty goal. I just want to let you know that um, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering exceeded its goal. And so if we did that once, church, we can do that again. And so we pray that God will uh, raise up 
uh, sacrificial givers uh, among his church. Reminder to you, there in the bottom right, you may not be able to read that, but 100% of your gifts, 100% of your gifts go to IMB through the Lottieman Christmas offering to directly fund ministry overseas. Right, and so you can rest assured that, that every penny you give is going to go towards the Lord's work. We're always reminded of how God uses uh, this, the funds that we give through the work of missionaries around the world. And so we're going to watch a brief video, and then I'm going to, uh, close, uh, I'm going to say a prayer for to kick off this week of prayer. So let's see that video. Thousands have answered that call, and Southern Baptists have joined together to send them. From every walk of life, from every part of our country, they boarded ships and planes, leaving behind all that was comfortable, predictable, safe, and secure all to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Into deserts and jungles, across mountains and seas, they planted their lives preaching Christ crucified. Many completed their service and came back to their homeland. But some did not. Some would perish on the field. They would starve, become ill, or be struck down on distant and dangerous roads to present the gospel. And some would be struck down for simply preaching the good news of Christ. In moments of extreme violence, many would choose to stay in danger to bring peace to those in the midst of chaos. Those are dark days for all of us, when we lose our brothers and sisters, when we feel the very real sting of death. On those days, we all ask, is it worth it? Is it worth the high price, the ultimate price? Etched on the hearts of missionaries throughout time are words like these. My life is of no value. My aim is to finish the race. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So we take up our cross to be living sacrifices. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. These lives were not lost. These lives were given. We may never know the full impact these missionaries have given on this side of eternity, but some stories we do know. Stories of God pouring out His Spirit on tribes and nations because missionaries model the one true sacrifice. Generations forever altered. Life is a gift. How will you Use the life you've been given. Anybody else? That was that was just glory to God in the highest. Wow. Um, 
and we get a chance to be a part of it. Are, are you ready? <laughs> there's, there's, um, I can't even think right now. <laughs> That's just, what? There's envelopes, and those may be Texas missions, but you can use those and designate those for Lottie Moon. Uh, we'll be taking this offering all during the month of December and all through January. Um, our church goal is $6,500. Um, we can meet that. After seeing that, I'm, I'm sure we will and more. Um, so grateful. God raised up missionaries to go lay down their lives so that others might know about Jesus Christ. I want to say a word of prayer, then we'll continue in our time of worship. Father God, you are to be praised. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And some people counted their lives not as their own, laid them down before you, King of kings, Lord of lords, willing to take the message of your gospel around the world to tell people on whom light had not shone. And they faithfully proclaimed the gospel. And lives were changed. Some of them, as the video said, did not return home. Some of them did return home. Lord, we're in debt to them all for their service. We praise you for them. We know that we will see them all together again someday. All of us surrounding the throne, lifting up the praises of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray during this week where we lift up missionaries. When we think about the mission work that goes on around the world, we pray that your church would rise to the occasion uh, and give sacrificially and would pray fervently for the work that you're doing through people, obedient, voluntary, uh, people who chose to follow you, to heed the call, to go and preach, to go and live among the darkness of this world. Pray that you would grant favor to all of those who are currently serving. Father, we are so grateful to just see a glimpse of what you're doing. We pray, God, that your glory would shine bright throughout this world. We pray it in Christ's name.
continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I inquired of Yahweh, and he answered me, and delivered me from all that I dread. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. This poor man called out, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues them. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. shepherds go and see go and see what God has done and you fulfilled your promises walking among us God we find joy in you this morning speak to us Say to us what it is you want to say so that our lives will be changed in the name.
the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. And God's people say. you would, please take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 1. All right, there we go. Luke chapter 1, we'll start in verse um, 46. Um, By show of hands, how many of you grew up on the King James? How many of you grew up on the King James Version of the Bible? Like when you went to church, your first exposure to the Bible was was King James. How many of you really have never read very much of the King James? Okay. Well, okay. This morning and for the next four weeks, next three weeks, I should say, uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at um, some of the hymns, the poems, the songs um, that were um, in response to what God was doing in Christ Jesus. And so we're actually going to spend some time in the King James Version. So if you have not been in the King James before, there may be some things that, that sound a little strange to you. But um, you, can, you, you may not have a King James. If you have it, you might want to dust it off and bring it to church on Sundays. But you're welcome to use your own version. But I just thought um, to, to just kind of be reminded of the beauty of um, the King James, especially in light of some of these um, beautiful verses in Luke, it'd be a good opportunity to, to use the King James. So if you would, uh, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Luke chapter 6, <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, and this is God's Word. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold... From henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath shewed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath halpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And we thank you that you have shared this very tender moment between Mary and Elizabeth, and most definitely between Mary and you, as she, her blinders in effect uh, come off, and she sees a big picture. Lord, of what you're doing in this world. And we thank you for sharing that with us and glorifying yourself through it. We pray that you'd be glorified uh, among us as we consider this and how it uh, affects our lives today. We pray it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be seated. The sermon title um, actually comes from a song we sang this morning, O Holy Night, as I was considering... um, Maybe a, just kind of a, a, a route to go in, in preaching through the season of Advent. Um, I was actually listening to some Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Some For some of you, it's hard to imagine that I did that, but I, I actually did that. And I was listening to O Holy Night, and that just stuck out to me. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And, and doesn't that line, a weary world rejoices, a weary world? Doesn't that resonate with us? And so I thought during this Advent season that we would, as a part of this weary world, uh, rejoice in what God has done. But there's so so many things in our world that make us weary. Perhaps not us, but we see a world around us just weary through hunger, oppression, sickness, disease, corruption, Poverty, hatred, murder, theft, rape, greed. All the things that you would expect to find in a fallen world under the sway of the devil. Makes one weary. 
We might see in this, in this story, which if you remember, when, when Mary um, says these things in verses 46 to 55, it's in response to what has gone on between her and Elizabeth. Her, her cousin Elizabeth, um, who was old, for her, you know, to be someone sort of like uh, Sarah, who was kind of beyond childbearing years, was she conceived and, and was having a child. And so Mary, having been told this by the angel Gabriel, when, when the angel told her, you're going to uh, conceive through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and you're going to give birth to the Savior. And, and your, your cousin, she's pregnant. And so Mary decided she would go and visit her cousin. And so when Mary arrived... As soon as he spoke to Elizabeth, of course, John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament, Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist. And as soon as the baby heard the voice of Mary, who was carrying Christ our Lord in her womb, the baby jumps for excitement. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she makes this declaration to Mary that who... Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's so excited. You would imagine that before that, Mary, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, would have been one who was weary. Weary of the fact that here she is, beyond childbearing age, really, and now she's conceived. There's hope. There's a thrill of hope because John is conceived. But in the midst of this conversation between Mary and Elizabeth, Mary gains a big picture view of God's work in the world. And I want to say to you that when God's big picture is revealed to people, maybe not all of it because His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but we can get some of it. And when we do, it, it just it affects us in certain ways. And we see this in the text The big picture of God's work is, first of all, soul-stirring. Soul-stirring. Remember, when Elizabeth uh, saw Mary and heard Mary's voice, John the Baptist, who she was carrying in her womb, just leapt for joy. And so she, through the Holy Spirit, uh, and it says there in in, uh, Luke chapter 2, Verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And so she's filled with the Holy Ghost, and it just overflows. Um, And and Mary receives this, and, and Mary, in that moment, things click together for her that she probably had grown up uh, knowing, learning, as a Hebrew woman. And God gives her a spirit-enabled understanding. The Holy Spirit uh, enables Mary to understand the events of the past few months in light of God's big picture, in light of His sovereign plan. Not only is she given spirit-enabled understanding, she's given spirit-empowered utterance. The Holy Spirit empowers Mary to worship God in that moment from the overflow of her heart. Now, isn't that a lesson for us? That we ought to worship God from the overflow of our heart. And we stop and think about what God has done for us. And we get a glimpse of the big picture of what God is doing in this world and how, like Mary, it has crossed our lives. It has crossed our path. We worship from the overflow of our heart. And that's what Mary was doing. But I want to submit to you that neither... The understanding or the utterance that Mary had would happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Because one thing that we, there may be some things about the Holy Spirit that we may struggle to understand. But we can understand this the Holy Spirit loves to point us to the work of God in Christ. Loves to do that. Loves to help us to understand the Father and His work on our behalf. In Christ Jesus, His Son, the Holy Spirit loves to help us worship the Father truly in spirit and in truth. That's what Mary's doing right here. She is worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, I want to make sure that we understand this. Mary, in this, at this particular point, she's not a robot. She's not a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit. 
This is truly worship coming from... And look at what verse 46 and 47 says. She says, My soul, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Verse 47, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, this is not so much a statement when she says soul or spirit. It's not so much a statement about mankind's... um, how we're made up, how we're created, body, soul, spirit, as it is, it's, it's a way that Hebrews would rhyme in their poetry. But what it does is it indicates that all of Mary is stirred up into worship of God. Mary praises God from the overflow of her heart. Perhaps you've seen this before. I don't know who got bored and figured out that this would actually work. But you know, if you take a diet Coke. Just open the bottle and take three or four of the Mentos candies. You drop that down in there and do you know what happens? How many of you know what happens when, okay, there's a chemical reaction and and stuff just goes blowing out. I mean, it just explodes out the top. That's what happened here to Mary. Mary is just exploding in worship for God because she sees just in a little bit what God is doing. That's why she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Now when we say magnify, we're not saying here that God is small and we need to use a magnifying glass so we can see Him. Mary in this moment, wouldn't you think it would be understandable? Here's Elizabeth who's beyond childbearing years, but she's pregnant. Here's Mary who is a virgin who is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you think that those ladies would kind of put themselves in the center and go, Wow, this is great. We're both pregnant. But neither Elizabeth nor Mary, they don't talk about themselves so much as they talk about God. God, we want you to have center stage. We want you to receive all the glory. My soul doth magnify the Lord, she says. And then in verse 47, she says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Now sometimes I'm afraid this happens to us. And maybe maybe this happens to you because I know it happens to me. That we'll make worship of God more about us. You know, we want to get something out of worship. I recall a pastor saying one time, someone came to him after the worship service was over, and that person said to him, I didn't get much out of worship today, pastor. And he said, that's fine, we weren't worshiping you. Oftentimes we want to make worship of God about us. But it isn't about us. But that doesn't mean that in the midst of worshiping, it doesn't, that it benefits us. It does. Worshiping God in spirit and truth brings great joy to us. And so Mary here, her soul being stirred, reminds us that the proper response to the privilege, the privilege of seeing God's work in this world is soul-stirring worship of the Almighty God. Also, the big picture of God's work is life-changing. Mary realizes now her life will never, ever be the same. It can't ever be the same. Consider where she started. Look at verse 48. It says, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. The low estate. Mary was a woman of low estate. She was a peasant girl with next to nothing. Not only that, she lived in a country of low estate. At one time, there was a glory of Israel. You know, the glory of David, the glory of Solomon, but now that glory is gone. It's a backwater province in the Roman Empire. And it's a country that's far removed from its former glory. But she says, my life has changed. Verse 48 again. For behold, from henceforth. That simply means, and Luke is fond of using that term, henceforth. Or in other translations, it's probably from now on. He's fond of using that because it marks a difference that is realized because of the work of Christ Jesus. She says, my life's not going to be the same. It won't be the same. She says, he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations 
shall call me blessed. He looked on me. He regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Now that doesn't mean that God was going to do something about her low estate. Now you realize that nowadays people are so unfortunately duped by a false gospel that says, you believe in God and all your problems are gone. God's got a blessing for you. You just got to believe it. You just got to sow a seed. That's so deadly. Mary didn't think that God was going to bring her from rags to riches. Mary understood that God chose her in spite of her low estate. And she knows. Verse 48 says, She'll be from henceforth be called blessed by all generations. She now sees her place in God's sovereign plan of redemption. That He chose her. Her, a woman of low estate, to be the mother of Christ. And he chose to glorify himself through this woman. In changing Mary's life, he demonstrated his might and his holiness to her. He demonstrated his might. And I bring that up because um, verse 49, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. God demonstrated His might in that she as a virgin conceived a baby, the Son of God, by the Holy Spirit. That's life-changing. And also God demonstrated His holiness in that Jesus, as the Son of God, He isn't born of Adam's sinful line. He's not conceived in iniquity as David himself reminded us in Psalm 51. No, no, Jesus is the second Adam. He is holy from His conception. So Mary, in this overflow of worship, is truly humbled that God chose her to be the mother of Christ. Her life is forever changed. Third, the big picture of God's work is world-altering. It's world-altering. Mary realizes not only will her life be different, but the world is different now. In verses 50 to 55, she speaks... Prophetically, I want to read it again and I want you to listen. Mary speaks in the past tense. She's speaking prophetically under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Picking up in verse, verse 50. And His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. He hath shewed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich He hath sent away empty. He hath halpened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She speaks prophetically in the past tense. So sure of what is to come, she understands if God has spoken, it is as good as done. It's done. And so Mary understands, she says so in verse 51, that those who right now believe that they are the powerful ones, one day they will become weak ones before a strong and mighty God. She knows that the world will change, that those who are now exalted will be humbled, and those who are now humbled in this world will be exalted. She knows that those who come to God with their need will be rewarded, their hunger. But she also knows that those who are rich and experience no lack in their distance from God, they will not be rewarded. They will be penalized. She sees that all of this is happening because of God's mercy. We see that in verse 50. His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. And also in verse 54, He hath halpened His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. That word mercy simply corresponds to the Hebrew word hesed, which is God's covenant love. The reason the world will be altered is because of God's covenant love and faithfulness. He's going to be faithful to His covenant. He's going to demonstrate that, in verse 50 she says, by showing mercy on them who fear Him from generation to generation. Not just in the future, but all along the way God will show that He is a covenant God. God demonstrates His covenant love and faithfulness to His covenant people who live in reverent fear before Him. As someone who has endeavored to live 
in covenant faithfulness before God, Mary truly understands this now. And the world's going to be different. Mary sees it through eyes of faith. And finally, when you see the big picture of God's work, as Mary has done, it's God glorifying. And in this text, she glorifies God by describing and praising both His name and His character, which really is, when you speak of God's name, you're, you're speaking of His character. Verse 46, she calls Him Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. That word Lord corresponds to the Hebrew word Yahweh, which if you find it in the Old Testament, it's in all caps. It's God's covenant name to His people Israel. She's glorifying Israel's God who has remembered His mercy just as He spoke to the fathers, to Abraham and to His seed forever. God is faithful to His promises And God is to be glorified. She glorifies Him by calling Him God in verse 47. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, the only true God, the one and only God who is omnipresent, where there's no place where the proud and the mighty can go to get away from God. He is with His covenant people even in the midst of their lowest state. He's the omniscient one who knows the imagination of the proud in their hearts. No scheme of man could ever escape the knowledge of God. And he also knows that they're hungry, who, people who are hungry for him, who long to be filled. Mary glorifies him as Savior. My soul, my, verse 47, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary realizes the saving promises of God who were, those promises were communicated to the fathers to Abraham, to his seed they culminate in this son that she has in her womb they culminate in Christ who has come to bring salvation and redemption, but I want you to notice what Mary calls God, God my Savior there is a doctrine in the Catholic Church which says that Mary was immaculate Uh, that she was sinless. Mary acknowledges right here, she needs a Savior. She calls God my Savior. She glorifies the God who is mighty, verse 49, for He that is mighty. In the Greek, it's actually, you you could translate it this way, the mighty one, the mighty one. She glorifies the mighty one who is all powerful, Nothing God cannot do. God can do all His holy will. His sovereignty is unquestioned. His power is far greater than any earthly power. He raises up kings and He brings them down from their seats. He turns the hearts of kings just like He turns uh, a river. But not only is He publicly powerful in this way, He's personally powerful. He, He shows His providence toward Mary. Providence is purposeful sovereignty. Mary says, He that is mighty hath done great things, hath done to me great things. And he did. He caused a virgin to bear the mother, to be be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Finally, she calls him holy. Verse 49, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Of course, we understand this refers to God's spotless holiness. God is completely holy. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. 1 John. God is sovereign over all human history. And in His sovereignty, God used the free choices of sinful men to accomplish His plan of redemption. But yet God is neither the author nor the perpetrator of sin. He is holy, holy, holy. But there is also, when we say the word holy, we understand there is no one like God. No one like God. No one could do what God had done in bringing history to this point. No one but God. There is no one like Him. No one deserving of the glory but God. So God's big picture, when we see it, it stirs our soul, changes our life. It causes us to see the world differently 
causes us to glorify God. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, and I would understand why you might, might think this. When Mary was speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sort of in a prophetic way, she talked about things that, that were so sure in her mind as she spoke of them as if they were already done. Now, understanding that, don't we realize that those of low estate are still there? The high and the mighty have not been brought down. But the hungry are still hungry and the rich haven't been sent away empty. You might say, well, pastor, you know all the things that you mentioned early in the, in, in the sermon that cause us to be weary, wait, rape, hunger, murder, greed, corruption. Those all still continue unchecked. The world is still broken. And we are weary of the brokenness. The things that Mary prophesied about, why haven't they happened yet? Well, it's good that we remember what season we're in. We're in the season of Advent, where we look forward to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we realize that the things that Mary prophesied about, they will happen fully and finally at the second coming of Christ. And it's God's timing with regard to when Christ will return, His second Advent. So why haven't we seen these things yet? Well, because they... They haven't happened yet. Christ hasn't come. That's in God's timing. But perhaps I want, to, want you to consider, I want to speak to the believers, to the Christians in the room. Why is it that God, uh, that these things have not happened yet? Well, obviously it's because Christ hasn't come yet. So there's something for us to do. That's why we think about Advent in this way. Until Christ comes, we, we have a role. 1 Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You realize that if you have been born again, it's not the same as Mary, but we have a story like Mary's. We were chosen, called out of darkness, out of our low sinful estate, not because of anything we have done, but for God's glory alone. And our lives are changed, aren't they? And we see the world in a different way. And because of all this, because we understand the big picture, then our souls are stirred to worship and to glorify the God who chose us and called us out of darkness. That's our role. If you're here today, if you're listening online and... and you don't believe. You're not a Christian. First Peter or Second Peter reminds us this. First, Second Peter three eight through ten. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing: that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. See, what fallen mankind, unbelievers, might see as God's inability to keep His promises is actually God's Gracious patience. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And today, today, unbeliever, you can experience the thrill of hope and salvation through Christ Jesus. Your weary heart can rejoice today. And I want to leave you with one final quote from the early church father, Augustine. He said, God has promised forgiveness for your repentance but He has not promised tomorrow for your procrastination. Why would you put it off? If the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart today, come and place your faith and trust in Christ. God promises repentance for your forgiveness for your repentance, but He will not promise tomorrow for your procrastination. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for...
what you have communicated to us through, through Mary. You've reminded us of the great things you have done how they affect our lives. Lord, may our lives be affected in similar ways. No, we did not and will not bear in our womb the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Savior. We have been born again. We've been made new. Something monumental, life-changing, world-altering, God-glorifying has happened in us. May we, Lord, be like Mary and just overflow May we worship from the overflow of a heart that's so filled with joy and hope over what you've done for us in Christ that we just can't help tell unbelievers around us about how our world is different, our life has changed, how we see you afresh, and we want to magnify you. Lord, give us, remind us again this holiday season of what you've done. And Lord, use us in your service. Now there'll be many people at this time of year whose hearts are open to hearing about Christ. And we pray that we be the ones to tell them. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. So if you would please stand. If you need to make any kind of decision, now's the time. We encourage you to come forward as we all sing together. just a moment, have a time of prayer together. I do want to encourage you to take out your bulletin. There's a prayer list on the back of it. I hope you are aware of that and are using that in your prayer time. Um, Continue to pray for Ben Campbell. He is in uh, a rehab facility right now and uh, things seem to be uh, going well for him. Um, Brenda Dawson, uh, Jared's mom, is going to have surgery this week. found some cancer in her colon, so uh, and she had a scan this week. Did she get the results of that yet? Okay, so we want to pray for Brenda, and also Les is on our prayer list, so we need to lift up both Brenda and Les. Um, need to continue to pray for Melanie Learer, as she's, um, I think she's um, hopefully uh, going to, uh, at some point, this is hard to, to talk about, Hopefully get a transplant because you realize what has to happen <clears throat> for someone to receive a, a double lung transplant. But um, that's where she's at right now. Um, not recalling any of the rest of these off the top of my head, but I just want to see, there, is there anything that you would want to uh, get prayer about this morning? Anything you'd want to add to the prayer list? Okay, Kurt McPherson from Lano, two or three weeks in, with COVID in ICU. Okay. Anyone else? All right, well, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll say the Great Commission and be dismissed. Father, we thank you that um, you're personal. Um, you're a God who, who stands over all. And nothing happens apart from your power and your plan. And yet you are so near and personal to people. We thank you for that, that you look down upon people in their lowest state and you grant them graciously uh, from, from your power, healing and comfort and peace. And so for those that are on a prayer list, Lord, whatever their needs are, we pray, God, that you would reach down and touch them. For those 
that need healing, we pray that they receive that. For those that are um, struggling with the decision they need to make, we pray that they receive your wisdom. For those that are just weary, we pray that they would receive your peace and comfort through Christ. And we're just grateful, Lord, that you answer prayer and that you, um, you are a God who loves to answer prayer. So we pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together will be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the 